It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, first show of uh, 2024. Welcome in, everybody. It is uh, the Patrick Johnson Show here on uh, 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com, streaming live, and then the IBX Media app. I hope you had a uh, very festive new year and it was a uh, safe one for you. We've got a great show planned for you today. Uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington is producing. I'm going to get him to uh, sound off on something here in a minute. Uh, later on, Joe Sampson, Joey Football will be with us. We'll talk last night's college football semifinals with him in a few minutes. And uh, then in our next half hour, we'll go down to uh, Boca Raton, Florida, where ECU and number 17, Florida Atlantic, will do battle tonight. And uh, Darren Vaught, who's calling the games for uh, ECU basketball on radio this season, uh, will give us a preview of what's uh, going on there. So all that is uh, coming up uh, today. Uh, Let's uh, start, though, with, uh, you know, Pilk, I think the story of uh, Sunday was not obviously the final, uh, but it was, uh, although the Panthers did get shut out, but it was... The fact that David Tepper went viral. Did you see this? Did you read about this? Did you see about this? Did you hear about this? Of course. Uh, Tepper was filmed apparently throwing a drink in the direction of uh, a Jaguars fan. Tepper allegedly threw the drink from the open-air suite at Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville Sunday. The incident appeared to happen with about three minutes to play following a Carolina turnover. During the Panthers and Jaguars game, the NFL said they are aware of the video and have no further comment at this time. Now, has anything happened since that report, Pilk? Yeah, I haven't seen anything so far uh, come out from the NFL. The Shield's kind of slow sometimes. This is one of those times. So a story from First Coast News down along uh, the First Coast in Florida. Uh, Yes, David Tepper could face charges if he threw a drink on a Jaguars fan. Kind of runs through everything we just talked about there. Uh, And the question is throwing a a drink at someone. Is it against the law in Florida? Um, The answer is it, it is or it could be. Now, having worked in Florida media, news media, They like to sensationalize things a little bit here. But yes, if you're throwing a drink on someone, it is against Florida law, potentially. There's a statute, 784, that defines battery as when a person actually or intentionally touches or strikes another person against the will of the other. There's a precedent for this in Florida. This uh, May of last year, a woman was arrested in Walton County and charged with two counts of battery for pouring a glass of wine on uh, Congressman Matt Gates. Battery does not require the victim to actually be touched, but even if the drink misses, uh, it is still against the law, according to an attorney cited in this article. 
So I don't know if he'll face charges, but I mean, there is that possibility and it's just nutty enough down in Florida. Who knows what will happen? You know, the first thing I think is obviously Tepper. There's no amount you're going to reasonably be able to find Tepper that is going to make a hill of beans a difference to him. Now it would, you could find him an amount that would make a difference to him, but it would be excessive and there'd be an appeal. But I mean, there's nothing within the NFL's framework of fines and he should face some kind of fine. He should face a pretty stiff penalty. There's nothing within that that you can do that's going to that's going to harm Tepper. So I I think what the NFL has to do and this is where it gets touchy with the owners sometimes because Goodell works for the owners, not the other way around. And you know, one of the owners was you know, obviously you got to, there's a code of conduct that you would think, and, and it wasn't adhered to. Now, do we know what happened? You know, was the guy turning around saying something about Tepper's mother? Was he yelling at Tepper the whole game? Do we know what was going on? You know, it just, it's a bad look for Tepper, who obviously in the video looked very, very irritated and frustrated. Uh, and he also threw it across a row. He was kind of on the second level of that suite. So it's not like uh, he was the guy was right below him and he just poured the drink on him. He he threw it. I'm sure many of you have seen it by now. But Pilk, here you are, a long-suffering Panthers fan. Uh, they've they've been pitiful this year. I think the worst team in the NFL. I don't care what the record says. And uh, now you have the owner acting like a jackass. Well, defend you your boy. I'm not going to defend him. He bought the team in 2019 or 2018. If you go back to the beginning of the 2019 season, the year after he bought the team, if you look at the winning percentage of every MLB, NFL, NBA, and NHL team, the Carolina Panthers have the worst winning percentage. So, Mr. Tepper, if you want to be mad at somebody and throw a drink on somebody, why don't you do it to yourself? Because this guy is the worst owner in sports. He is horrible. I pray Goodell forces him to sell the team. It's not going to happen on unfortunately, but I would yeah. love to see him in big-time trouble for this. This is the second time he has done something obscure after a game. After the Tennessee game, he left the locker room screaming explicit language. That's not something owners do. You know, we've seen footage of owners smacking their hand on a counter or something in their box showing frustration. They show Jerry Jones do it all the time. It's fine, but when you're an owner, you have to conduct yourself slightly different than a coach. You know, if a coach is walking out of the locker room after a game yelling obscure things, it is what it is your job is on the line and in the case of the Tennessee game it really was for Frank Reich but the owner doesn't need to be acting this way you've got to conduct yourself a little more maturity you come from the Pittsburgh Steelers organization one that is very respected has been ran very well for the better part of the last 70 years and you're going to act like this it's I'm not going to defend him at all Patrick so you want somebody to defend David Tepper you need somebody else on your show sorry bud so Tepper you know this this irrational, can't-control-himself behavior is, I mean, part of his M.O. Uh, the guy made money by being a real uh, a-hole, you know. And the other part of this is Tepper uh, has acted rash in a lot of things that he does in running his businesses. It's chaos in Charlotte. I mean, we've talked about it. On this show, we've had people talk about it. 
Um, and I've, I've had people privately tell me how chaotic it truly is. And it's just not people that were there in the prior regime that, that are leaving or whatever. I mean, there's people that are hired. I'm talking like on the business side of things with the Panthers, they're a Tepper hire and they're gone within a few months. Cause it's just, it's, it's chaos. It's Katie bar the door. It, it is, it is, uh, just out of control there. Look what he did with the deal down. What was it? Rock Hill, uh, Pilk. Yeah. There's he, been- he just pulled up stakes and just left after they would already, they were already moving dirt for this practice facility of the future. And, all the uh, money it was going to bring as far as uh, economic development. Yeah, he's done it twice. He did it down at Rock Hill, and I think he did it at the old Eastland Mall because he bought that property too. He's supposed to build some soccer stuff there, and it was kind of the same thing. I don't think it was as far along as the place in Rock Hill, but there's you know two places that have he's bought, started doing stuff, and then just left in shambles, and there is actually another building that he was at one time, I know, looking to buy to potentially build a new stadium, and from what I heard, the owner of that building said, I will never sell to that SOB. There you go. Well, good for him. Um, Are you surprised the NFL has not doled out some kind of discipline at this point? Uh, I guess with it being a holiday Monday. Yeah they weren't probably in full active mode. I'm sure the NFL was not. I'm sure Goodell was being talked to or talking about this in some way. So, but, you know, the, the basically it's a Monday today with the offices open. So I, I'm, I'm sure the full deal with the offices has been, uh, you know, discussed. But I, I don't know if the rank and file office person that's working in the NFL headquarters needed to be in on this decision. But... Again, I don't know. People may have taken the day off. Yeah, I mean, normally like the they wait till Tuesday anyways because of Monday night games. So they just wait till all the games are over. But to your point, there was no Monday yeah, night game. Over, though. Yeah, but with yesterday being a holiday, I'm guessing this is being discussed today. And if something comes out, we'll probably know, I would say, by you know 10 a.m. or so tomorrow. So I, to answer your question, I'm not really surprised that nothing's come out. Like I said, I'm sure all these a hardy things fine, about. A hardy fine and, and what? Suspended? How do you suspend an honoree and games? tell him he can't go to the next? I mean, I don't know, I'm guessing. Yeah. If if my guess is, it's going to be a fine, and they're going to put him on probation, which literally means nothing. Which means if you do this again, we're going to force you to sell the team, pretty much. But see, I don't think they'll enough. force him to sell the team. I don't think. Oh, they I don't think they'll do it. But they're going to use the word probation, and that's what that word will mean. But. They won't ever okay. actually do it. That'll just be their way of because pretending like they care. You look with people have been forced to sell the team. Uh, allegations of misconduct from a sexual standpoint. Uh, harassment for Jerry Richardson. Uh, you know, in Washington, it was what I mentioned before. You know, that kind of behavior. Uh, in the case when the Clippers sold the... Uh, the, the Sterling was forced to sell the team. It was a case of, you know, racial talk, all of these things that are pretty severe stuff. Obviously, I don't think throwing a drink as classless as it is rises to the occasion of, you know, using uh, slurring racial uh, slur, or hurling racial slurs or, or sexually assaulting or harassing people. But uh, I, they, they, look, the guy's a disaster. His franchise is a disaster. I can't see it getting any better. 
anytime soon as long as he's in control and and this is a this is a window some insight into his mindset and his uh in his world all right uh ecu lost on friday in basketball they will be back on the uh, hardwood later on tonight they're uh down in boca raton to take on fau it'll be a seven o'clock tip with a 6 30 airtime we're going to grab a break though and uh, come back and talk uh a little bit about yesterday's semifinals in the college football playoff. Two exciting games. Joey Football, Joe Sampson, Scoop Sampson will be on the Patrick Johnson Show to discuss. So stay with us. So I have. Download the new IBX Media app now and get the show for your ears and eyes. Doesn't it look great on me? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, Pirate Basketball uh, coming up tonight. And uh, we will be on the air with that at uh, 6.30. Darren Vaught next half hour will be uh, with us as he's making his way over to the arena in Boca Raton right now. Let's go to our uh, guest line, though, and welcome in. One of the bright rising media stars from uh, 2023. Please go on. Joey Football. I didn't know you had such a good mic. I would have gotten the good mic out and, uh, and not worn the headsets had I known you had uh, such the good mic that you were going to be broadcasting on Joey Football. So you're going to sound better at me, and I'm going to get a memo from Dr. No, Dan Miller, about uh, <laughs> how I don't sound as good as my guest. All right. Um, Happy New Year, Joe. Happy New Year, P-Man. Did you have a big celebration or, or what? Uh, decently big. My my girlfriend's sister got engaged to her now fiance, so that was exciting. So all of us were over there Whoa. to celebrate that. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was a big celebration. Was this a I did Christmas engagement? New Year's tradition. No, New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve. Okay. All right. I got engaged on New Year's Eve. All right. Go ahead. What's your tradition? Well, I'll bite. Go. Uh, tradition is I fall asleep at 10.30. I take an uh-huh. hour and eight-minute nap. I wake up at 11.58, and I let the ball drop. There you go. And then you go it's back to like sleep? It's been like five years running. Yeah, it's the best. Okay. Ring in the new okay. year. Let me ask you this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Does this, put, does this put pressure on you now, this engagement? Does this put pressure on Joey football? Hey, everybody's got to run their race at their own speed, Patrick. <laughs> all right i'm not trying to get you in any uh any static on you i'm just wondering you know i'm just kind of curious because you know now there's a press your own race Uh uh-huh there there is a precedent run your own race but how long have you and this lady been together since we'll put your business on the streets uh oh i think it'll be five years coming up in may Uh, oh you gotta you you gotta you gotta you got to do something to get off the pot here, Joe. That's that's uh, that's, that's I, what I'm going to say. You got to graduate first, Patrick. I know. We got to get out of this chapter called college. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Joey Football is with us uh, here. So uh, the national championship is set. Probably two of the better games as far as because uh, usually one of them could, could kind of turn into a clunker. Uh, one of them, it seems like I'm talking about the national semifinals and the college football playoff are always 
one of them is always very uh, good and competitive. The other one kind of turns into a little bit of a snoozer. But last night, both games were uh, captivating. Let's start with the one that everybody's talking about is uh, Michigan knocked off Alabama. So Michigan gets to the uh, final for the first time uh, in this uh, playoff era. The Wolverines control things uh, early. Bama hung around. And then Alabama with uh, a huge fourth, uh, really huge defensive second half and fourth quarter. But that drive for Michigan to go down and, and what McCarthy did that led to the score being tied. I, I think that'll be the thing that will be sort of infamous uh, in his career at Michigan. And if if the Wolverines go on to win, it'll be the drive that Michigan fans will be talking about for years. Yeah, I mean, he ripped one ball that was at the 32, I think, on the other side of the 50, and he put it in such a tight window. And that really was the catalyst that got them going. And and both teams tried to lose this game three or four times last night. That's the part that people are going to kind of forget about and fail to realize. I mean, Michigan fumbles it at the one. Alabama gives the ball away twice. You had J.J. McCarthy put the ball in some compromising situations where if one doesn't get tipped, it might be a deflection as opposed to that touchdown where he walked in on the uh, – on the catch on the 28, I think it was, going into the high red like that. So McCarthy was the catalyst that made Michigan's offense go, and there was no doubt about it last night. But Milrow held his own up until probably that last drive. Do you uh, – do you, do you, first of all, do you – to me, I think the best – the two best teams are playing in this thing now, next Monday. I think we've got the two best teams on, this, on the whole of the season. These have been the two – that have won, you know, obviously they're undefeated, but they've won game, particularly Washington has won some some tight games and some games where they've received uh, the opponent's best shot. Uh, two great games with Oregon, for example, who look fantastic uh, in, in embarrassing Liberty. So the um, I think we're right there with the best two teams and the teams we're supposed to have uh, in this thing, Joe. But as far as uh, Michigan... It, to me, they look like the best team in the country when we saw them in week one against East Carolina. I don't know if they've always been. Uh, if not, though, they've been two. But I, I thought yesterday a lesser team would have folded because Alabama was doing Alabama things in the second half and doing what they've done this year, which is fall behind in the first, come back, and, and you know lead in the second, uh, and, and then inevitably win the game. The other thing, I was impressed – and I needed to be reminded of it because we saw it in the first game, just how fast the Michigan defense is. Yeah, Milro threw a couple times off his back. It, it seemed like he just had no time. There was one that ran a delayed blitz where the safety came all the way down from 17 yards and hit Milro before he'd get to his third step. That's the fastest defense in the country. And by statistics and by metric, I think it might actually be the best defense in the country as far as rankings go. The difference between the Michigan team we saw last night in the second half and what we saw against Ohio State was leaps and bounds. I had so many questions after the Ohio State game about if they were pretenders or contenders. And last night, they looked the part of a contender. I mean, you're handling Nick Saban, who's arguably the greatest college coach to ever live, who has won more national championships than most people can dream of when they're playing Madden or franchise mode as far as that goes. The guy's done it at the highest level, and Harbaugh goes to one and two now in the semifinals that he's been able to be a part of. So he answers that question in the back and call. The problem with it is now Michigan has this huge asterisk given the Connor Stallions thing on if this team was right. as good as we thought going into the playoff or if they got their 
after what they had to do and then beat an Alabama team who was the four seed, might I add. And yes, people are going to sit here and say, what about FSU? Committee got it right. And I'll do that 15 times over and, and talk to people about it. There's no reason that Florida State should have been in the conversation, and it was shown last night. But Michigan looks like the best team in football right now. We'll find out if Washington can answer the call. Joe, does, should Georgia have gotten in, though? I do want to ask you that because they've lost one game in the last three years. Yeah. The Georgia one gets difficult because as soon as you put it to the one losses, now Georgia no longer has their own ticket punched when you're sitting undefeated. Because Texas beat Alabama, Texas gets in with one loss. Because Alabama beat Georgia with one loss, they now get in above because of the head-to-head. There's no scenario where you could have left Texas or Alabama out and kept Georgia in if you're trying to measure them as one-loss teams with head-to-heads like that. Uh, Joe Sampson's with us here. Last thing on this game – it's now been three consecutive seasons since Alabama last won their national last national championship. So this is the longest stretch that Alabama's gone through with Saban as the head coach. So um, they're right there, obviously. But is uh, is it a case where the field is caught up with with Alabama, or you know, is this a case where they're not quite what they once were? I think it's a difficult thing to try and say that somebody's caught up one way or another, especially when you consider the NIL changes and now the transfer portal. Saban was known for years to be hiding a five-star or four-star on the bench and developing them. I mean, we didn't hear about Devontae Smith until he caught that game-winning touchdown from Tua Tagovailova in that national title game where he came off the bench as a true freshman. So this is a new age of college football that Saban's played catch-up with and is now starting to find his footing in the portal era and, and all these different things. Jameer Gibbs, who is now the first-run running back and playing for the Lions and doing great things, was at Georgia Tech for four years and then went to Alabama. Burks last night was at Georgia, won the national title against Bama, and then transferred to Alabama. So Saban's starting to find his way in this new age, but I don't think by any means he's falling off. I think the issue was the offensive coordinator in the situation. I think Tommy Reese has been lethargic in his play calling this entire year, and you can look back all the way to the USF game when they're doing these things in the second half and how he kind of answers the call. It looks like he just kind of throws stuff at a wall until it would stick. So if I'm Nick Saban, I have that conversation. It's a difficult one in the offseason is where do we go from there? Washington uh, over Texas in the other semifinal last night that ended after midnight on the East Coast, 37-31. That was in the Sugar Bowl uh, down in New Orleans. Uh, Tied at 21 at the half, and then Washington with some tremendous adjustments and came out and uh, really smacked Texas in the uh, face out of uh, halftime. What were the adjustments you saw that Washington made that allowed them to uh, at least for the third quarter kind of take control of the game and shut Texas down? The first thing I have to say is offensively, the amount of shots that Washington was able to take and then decided to take was hands down the reason that they had the X factor. Anytime you have a guy like Penix back there who can put the ball anywhere on the field within a yard to a receiver in stride on the run or any of those things, you have to use that to your advantage. And towards the second half, we were a little worried when Texas started to creep back in if they'd stay aggressive like that, and they did. And I think because they trusted Penix and they trusted Oduzzi, they really looked the part of being the number two team in the nation. But I don't want to discredit Texas by any means. Texas defensively 
did some things, went to more of a three three five stack with an overhang guy who was able to kind of spy Penix and keep him from doing those things with his dynamic legs that he can do. And that's what got them back in the ball game. And I love that last drive from Quinn Ewers, what he was able to kind of take control of the game and put his imprint on it. So I think there wasn't necessarily a, an adjustment that made Washington the best team. I think it was the fact that their multitude of adjustments throughout the game and understanding what was working kept them ahead, and especially towards that last drive, really solidified them as the number two team. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up Penix because I think he was the best player on the field last night by miles. And if he on plays like that, yeah on, yeah, on both fields. If he plays like that uh, next Monday – Washington will be hoisting the championship because the championship trophy because he was just uh, magnificent. You you kind of described what uh, he with his prowess of throwing the football. I mean, is was this a little East Coast bias? I mean, it seems he he looked like the best player in the country last night. <laughs> uh, it, I wouldn't call it East Coast bias. I think if you have Jaden Daniels in that scenario and he's done the things that. The Jaden Daniels argument really comes down to the fact that Joe Burrow was the undisputed Heisman Trophy winner the year that he won at LSU. Jaden Daniels blew his stats out of the water. If Jaden Daniels is sitting there and they don't lose to FSU with two losses, you're arguing if they should be in the playoff, considering all right. things, and that Georgia lost and that Bama steals their way in. And with a 12-team playoff, they're in for sure. I don't think it was West Coast bias by any means. I think the problem was that Daniels statistically had the best season known to man. And then when you watch the eye test, this guy's getting smoked in between the A gap, gets up, throws a ball 25 yards across his body, and then runs for 35 the next play. Like He just had incredible toughness the whole season. And Pinnix was just incredible himself. But I think when it comes down to those two great players like that, you have to go to the guy who's got the stats, and Daniels had him to back it up. Um. With Washington, their defense is probably not quite as good as uh, the defense for Michigan. There may be a little more opportunistic. There may be uh, a little more bend and not break. Uh, so obviously, you gotta you gotta say Monday the, the the defense that's a check for the box for for Michigan. But can Penix in this offense produce like they have all season against that defense? I think they can. We we sat here early when we were talking about the, the Pac-12 championship and Oregon's going to get them back. Oregon's the better team. We saw what happened at UW and Oregon had the chance of Dan Lanning can hold on. And Washington put all those rumors quickly to bed in that first half of that Pac-12 championship game. And I think they did the same thing last night. Texas was so good defensively, and they were stout against Alabama early in the year, which was their true big test. And we saw what they did in the Big 12 championship game on their own side. This is this is a very legit offense that Kalen DeBoer has created over in Washington. And his understanding of what Pinnock can do and those soft spots in the coverages, I mean, yes, Michigan's an extremely fast defense, but I don't think there were better, faster defenses that were playing in the Pac-12 than what Michigan will bring to the table. But I think what separates it is how Penix can put the ball in certain spots and where they're going to be able to take those shots and take advantage of it. Um, it'll be interesting for sure, um, and it'll be next Monday. Uh, who, who do you like uh, and why, uh, Joey Football? Who do you like and why? What would be the score of this thing? It's not going to be like I, – I, there's no uh, way it's like last year where uh, TCU had no business there and Georgia just dismantled them. 
No, I don't think so at all. I, this is a difficult thing to try and predict. Obviously, you can sit around and think this whole way. I got 31-27 UW. I think the Huskies get it done. I think some key plays in some certain spots because of what Harbaugh likes to do, which is play conservative and, and try and prove you're the better team. Washington's going to jump out and take some shots, and I think that's going to be the difference in this scenario. We've talked about offenses being the driving point of this time, but don't sleep on Washington's defense. That that linebacker in the middle makes a lot of plays east-west, and especially with a guy like Blake Corum who didn't look like himself on the Rose Bowl. I got to say, I was very unimpressed by his speed on the outside and some of those things when he got the ball in his hand. I was promised this dynamic guy, and I've yet to see it this season. So I think UW actually has the edge defensively as well. Mm. All right, Joey Football, have fun uh, tonight going to a basketball game. Joey Football is headed to a hoops game. So uh, good to see you, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Greg and you as always, Patrick. Take care. Are you on with I Go tomorrow, by the way, or, or no? Uh, I don't think. Or Friday. Or tomorrow, no. I think I'm Friday. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Friday. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hoist the colors. You can get more. Of Scoop Sampson on Hoist the Colors on Friday. All right. Thank you, Joe. As always, Patrick, it was a pleasure. All right. There he is, the great Joe Sampson. Awesome stuff. Let's go now to Philip the Ref Pilkington. He'll give us a 94-3 The Game sports update and pirate report, and then we'll uh, check in with Darren Vaught from Boca Raton, Florida. Pilk. Thanks, P-Man. Starting in Pirate Hoops, both the men's and women's team will be in action tonight at 6 p.m. The women will host UTSA. It'll be the first conference game of the season for both of those teams. Or no, sorry, for the women's team. The UTSA did play over the weekend. The men's will also open up conference play, and they will start it down in Boca Raton with a visit to FAU coming off the heels of a loss to East Tennessee State. We're going to prepare for Florida Atlantic as we would have if we had won this game, lost this game. Uh, we're going to go fix this game uh, first thing in the morning tomorrow we're going to fix this game with the guys uh, if I was allowed to fix it right now I would but I'm not um, and we're going to fix it tomorrow and then we're going to prepare like we're supposed to prepare network coverage for that will start at 6 30 right here on 94.3 the game as part of the ECU sports network with tip-off scheduled for just after seven o'clock the college football playoff final is set and the line has opened with Michigan as four and a half point favorites in next Monday night's contest against the Washington Huskies the Carolina Panthers will close out the season without rookie wideout Jonathan Mingo who was placed on IR today with a foot injury he finishes his rookie season with 43 receptions for 418 yards also speaking of scoop Sampson, his jets have waived four-time pro bowl running back dalvin cook they acquired him this past offseason from the vikings the 28 year old touched the ball or rushed the ball just 67 times this year in the 15 games that he played that'll do it for your 94 three the game sports flash update and pirate report on the other side of this timeout, we will be joined by the voice of the pirates darren vaunt Taking the rage out of your drive home. You just cut me off, but it's no big deal. Patrick Johnson on 94.3 The Game and the new IBX Media app. All right, uh, welcome back. Let's go now to uh, Boca Raton, Florida, where Darren Vaught, who is uh, serving as the ECU uh, basketball radio announcer this year, joins us uh, on the phone. Uh, Darren will be on in a little less than an hour on uh, the network, including right here on 94.3 The Game in advance of the game tonight. Darren, 
Uh, Happy New Year to you, my friend. And uh, how was the trip down to Boca Raton for you and the team? Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well, P-Man. Philip also, who I know has been pushing buttons for a long time today. He gets the pleasure or uh, maybe not so much for his sake of dealing with me and Coach Perry a little bit later. Uh, trip was good. It, you know, I got to say, the the vibes and the mood generally with this team, pretty light. It was, a, you know, a fun group to be around on the way down here. I think they, they see this matchup as an opportunity. Uh, this is an ECU team that is, has played up to the level of its competition. We've seen them play down to the level of the competition. And, you know, you can you could view that as a good sign when you're up against a team that was in the Final Four last year and is currently ranked 17th in the country. You know, uh, Friday, what I think really was, uh, to me, the thing that was frustrating is uh, it seemed like the Pirate team was a little flat. Uh, and there were some things that uh, I think Mike Swartz was concerned about in that vein, particularly their toughness, closing out possessions, uh, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, and, and really not keeping East Tennessee State from taking the shots that they wanted to take. So uh, what was your read on Friday night as far as the, the performance and look, ETSU played really great. They had a good game plan, and they made some shots that uh, you got to make when you're a dog on the road. But uh, what what was your read on that performance? Yeah, it was it was probably the way you could assess a lot of losses or for other teams wins around college basketball this year, right? It was okay. You've got a good game plan. Uh, you luck out and make make more shots than the other team makes in big spots. And you mentioned what Coach Schwartz was talking about. Well, Mike w- was perfectly clear in the postgame about the distinction between effort and toughness, right? And by toughness, it really – he's keying in on things that are ultimately going to lead to winning. And he, he circled the 22 offensive rebounds. He says you don't do that without effort in the Pirates – showed effort against East Tennessee State, but you just got to capitalize on big moments and be tough in those big moments. I think it's been a, it's been a little frustrating for the guys, if I'm not mistaken, and Bobby Pettiford talked about this in the postgame a little bit too, just sort of in the, the, the getting the feel for things, right? Most of them have played together in-game action for most of the year, but the insertion of Cam Hayes into the starting lineup kind of dictates in this weird way, it puts five guys in the starting lineup that you're kind of expecting double figures out of on a on a mm-hmm. night in mm-hmm. night out basis. Um, I think we're going to see a change to that lineup and see Cam Hayes coming off of the bench tonight against Florida Atlantic. I believe Sierra Malonga is going to start, and that's mainly a, yep. a, a size issue because of Vlad Golden, the big seven footer who's been at right. FAU for several years now they just need to come up with an answer for him but I think it's going to solve some of those issues Cam if he gets going and maybe tonight's the night could be that spark plug off of the bench and then it would sort of freeze everybody else up so I think those were some of the frustrations coming out of the ETSU game. Darren Vaught who is uh, this year's voice of pirate uh, basketball on radio joins us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson show you know it's interesting um, with with Hayes and I was going to ask you about him you know, he's obviously struggling with the touch right now, but I have no problem with him shooting. Eventually, that's going to turn itself around and go in. I mean, that's his game, uh, essentially. So uh, how do you think that he has looked 
on the whole. And uh, what do you expect out of Cam Hayes in this potential role as a six-man tonight? Yeah, I, I hope he embraces it, and all indications are that he will. Um, I, I think it will allow him to relax a little bit. Uh, aside from the, the shooting, he's played well. He, he actually is, is a better defender than I expected or, or thought. Um, and he's come up big in some, some one-on-one defensive matchups. Um, I, I would expect that the coaching staff is going to use him sort of in the same way against Elijah Martin and John L. Davis, one or the other at, at any given time tonight. Um, I, man, I just I want to see particularly a three-pointer. I, I want to see a three-pointer go down for him and for him to sort of lose the tension in his shoulders because I think that's going to change yeah. everything for him and for the other guys. I, I feel like even, you know, we talked about all season long how Bobby and RJ are, are – uh, so unselfish on offense that sometimes they pass up their own shots trying to distribute it. It feels like that's maybe a little amplified because they're trying to get Cam going, finally, right? And and the second it happens, I think everyone's going to play a little more loose. Everyone's going to play a little more natural. Uh, will Dabunje be available? Uh, any update on Bayala? Callum Richard uh, was sick. Any Any update on those guys? Yeah, uh, Q went through shoot-around this morning, so my expectation is he's going to be able to play. Um, and um, Ben Baella the same. He's going to be available is my understanding. Cal Richard did not go – he made the trip but did not participate in shoot-around, so I wouldn't expect Callum Richard available. But two of the three, okay. which is a, a sign of progress. Yeah. Uh, Darren Vaught, he'll be on the air at 6.30 tonight. Uh, it will be a 7 o'clock uh, tip between ECU and number 17, Florida Atlantic. Uh, before we get into uh, the Owls a little bit deeper, uh, the arena that you're in, it's not a huge arena. It's kind of a bandbox in some ways. Uh, but uh, I got to imagine that it'll be kind of rocking with uh, the, the first conference game coming up and FAU coming off a loss, which we'll talk about. I would think so. Um, you know, it's funny. A, a lot of the people on staff with this team or, or just sort of around the team and the traveling party, you could say, um, had not been here, but sort of had heard some things about it being, um, you know, old, an older gym, a smaller gym, kind of a creaky gym. I, I was here with High Point in 2019, 2020. And when we came with Tubby Smith, they were, they've actually made some improvements. Even since last year, there's a massive video board on the wall. Uh, they repainted the right. walls. They got new lights in here. So it's a, it's a good-looking place. It, you're right, it's just small, right? It's not going to seat any more than a few thousand, which could play to FAU's advantage. So I, I think the crowd's going to be relatively large for this one, especially it being their inaugural American Athletic Conference game um, and trying to, to motivate their Final Four team from a year ago coming out of that loss that you talked about. A Q4 loss, by the way, to Florida Gulf Coast. Right. Right. Um, you know, they had such a great win against Arizona out in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, that game right before you start conference play out of Christmas can be a little tough, as we saw with ECU. What what happened against Florida Gulf Coast? Well, it, it's kind of similar to what happened against Bryant. Look, this is, a, this is an Owls team that's got three losses on the season. One is to a ranked Illinois squad. You don't really – you know, turn up your nose at that if you're if you're assessing their resume. The other two, Bryant and Florida Gulf Coast, they're not good teams. 
But right. as we have seen year after year and progressively so in college basketball, it's turned into this this mess where anybody can beat anybody. And, and it's partially the transfer portal and guys sort of trickling down to some of these smaller programs. I mean, that's part of the reason FAU has created and been able to put together what they've put together with their run. But the other thing, too, is Bryant hit shots from deep. Florida Gulf Coast hit shots from deep. And that feels like the formula. Um, so I think in order for the Pirates to, to come out of Boca Raton with a, a victory in this one, which would be their first-ranked victory ever on the road, they're going to need to hit some threes. And um, that's an area where ECU has struggled, thirty, not quite 31% on the season. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to need somebody to show up in that regard. All right, Darren, uh, give me the weather for Boca Raton today. That's the big thing I miss about Florida, the wintertime. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, it's beautiful. Um, I got lunch with a friend who is based down here today, and he was raving about how it's not not as miserably hot as it normally is this time of year. He said, man, it's not even in the 80s. This is, this is beautiful outside. <laughs> um, it's, been a, it's been a dream. It's been a, he asked me when we walked up to the, the establishment we ate at, he was like, hey, do you want to sit inside or outside? And I was like, man, I, it's not like I live in a frozen tundra, but I haven't had that option in months. Like, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's no humidity when in in the Florida winters, uh, but mild temperatures they're perfect. There's a reason everybody no. comes down from the north and goes there in the winter. There's a reason there's snowbirds. No doubt, no doubt yeah. about it. All right, you mentioned it'll take hitting some threes. What else do you think it'll take tonight for the Pirates, Darren? I, I think, and I mentioned the seven footer, Vlad Golden. I, I think. There's got to be a plan for him. I don't know if that is uh, attacking him down low, getting him into foul trouble, and making him a non-factor for most of the first half, if you can. Um, you got to have some sort of plan for him. Maybe that's you know a breakout performance by Sierra Malonga as a, a one-on-one defender. Uh, maybe you try to get some mismatches with Brandon Johnson or Ezra Asar assigned to Golden so that they can sort of draw him out and expose the Owls defensively that way clear up the paint the the paint um I, I think that's a that's a huge matchup in this one we know the pirates have really good backcourt play we know they've got strong front court play but a 7-1 experienced savvy guy like golden is not necessarily a challenge they've had to deal with uh darren vaught doing a great job this year darren thank you we'll talk to you again really really soon and uh, safe travels coming back and let's pull the pirates through to a victory tonight Let's do it. Appreciate you, Patrick. Thanks. There he goes, Darren Vaught. You can hear him and Coach Michael Perry and Philip the Ref Pilkington from uh, the studio. Pilk will be there. But those guys are down in Florida, and they'll have the blow-by-blow coverage uh, for you on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT with coverage starting at 6.30. We're going to wrap up our hour of power and get ready for uh, tomorrow's big shoe when we come back on the Patrick Johnson Show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game.
Great summer song. A little bizarre choice for the first uh, second day of the year. But. I know. We were talking about the warm weather of Florida. I saw it pop up on the list, and it made me want to go down. It's cold and miserable here, and I'm depressed. It is cold. Uh, brutal cold. I, I, I mean, I couldn't take it today. It was so cold. Uh, ECU will be playing uh, Florida Atlantic. Pirates are a uh, big dog. But uh, they will uh, they'll try to shock the world. Hey, Florida Gulf Coast did it, right? So we'll see. We'll see if the uh, Pirates can uh, come out and, uh, and get a first-ever win against a ranked opponent on the road. It's uh, ECU and FAU coming up with uh, a 6.30 airtime on the network and a 7 o'clock tip from Boca Raton, Florida. Pilk, are you a resolution guy? My guess is you're not. Yeah, that'd be correct. I'm not. Okay. Do you have any goals for 2024? Uh, not that I've really thought of off the top of my head. Now, are you a resolution guy, okay. Patrick? Uh, no, I am not a resolution. I, I, I you know, used to be, but I think uh, the world is so cynical now. We're not resolution people anymore. But I tell you what I am doing, Pilk. Um, I am working with the people at uh, East Carolina weight loss. I've already dropped about uh, 10 pounds. Might have put one or two back on during the high holidays, during the holidays. That's understandable. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, go crazy. But I'm working with them, and uh, we're going to track my progress throughout the year, and we're going to start to tell you how you can uh, sign up and be part of that if you want to go on the uh, the big journey with me. So it's really more of a lifestyle change and a decision to, you know, make a change in, in lifestyle. Um, if I could just get this uh, neck thing I'm suffering with right now straight, I'd be uh, cooking with gas. But never, nothing's ever perfect, Pilk, as you know. No, a nerve is not good. I, I last winter or two winters ago had, was sick and coughed and like pinched something in my chest. And then I couldn't like move mm. my right arm for like two days. I'm like, what am I, 75 years old? I'm 20-some years old. Yeah. Pinched a nerve coughing. You are an old man in, in, in spirit. Oh. You're, an older, you're yeah. an older soul in spirit. Oh, we know that. We've but, known that for a long time. Yeah. I'm a crotchety right. old man, so too, according to my mother. So it doesn't surprise me that you injured yourself in that manner. I don't know what happened, but I have, uh, it has not been a lot of sleep the last several nights and uh, a lot of coffee early on 3 30 a.m coffees to 4 30 a.m text to other people day. who have just fallen asleep two hours before did i football send, taking did i long. send that to you did <laughs> i send that to you at 4 30 was that 4 45 it, it didn't wake me up i i slept through it here we go okay see i think the rest of the world should be on the same schedule i'm on you know, I'm blaming the college football absurd. playoff committee for starting the game too late. That's going to be my blame as to why. I, look, I, 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 I watched the end of it. I was, I was yeah, a little sleep I've got. All right. You, uh, thanks to Joe Sampson. It's a great game. Thanks to Joey uh, Football, Joe Sampson. Thanks to uh, Darren Vaught. And thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington. Back tomorrow, 5 o'clock for the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, we'll uh, hopefully have Doug Martin with us. And uh, other great guests as we uh, get you ready for uh, the final week of the regular season in the NFL throughout the rest of the week. 
All right, have a great evening, everybody. See you in the morning on Talk of the Town at 7 and back here at 5 tomorrow afternoon on the PJ Show. Don't go through another year with that awful joint pain. Call QC Kinetics right now.